Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for this service. Lord, as we begin, your spirit gains ascendancy and there is a free flow of knowledge, a free move of your spirit touching everyone, no matter how far or how near they may be. And the impact of your word is evident because it warms our souls and it's like fire and we cannot stay and you have made us a house of prayer a people of prayer a people given to your word and we are stirred up and we rise up and we run <laughs> and we will not be weary we walk and we do not faint because there is an extra supernatural advantage infused into the equation of our lives we are not by ourselves you are with us <laughs> and it is evident in the steps that we take, the moves that we make. Glory to your name, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Amen. All right, give the Lord a shout of praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, we're getting into the word of God now. I want to talk today on diligence. I think I preached on this the first time about two, three years ago. Diligence. And today we're answering the question, why is it that people find it difficult to pray, to fast, and to study their Bible? Why? Is it because they have a problem in their love walk? They, they don't love the Lord? No, it's not true. They love the Lord. Is it because they don't know what is expected of them? Maybe they don't know they're meant to read their Bibles and to pray. No, that's not true either. The simple reason for many people is that they have not learned to be diligent. You see, and this is a problem not just in their spiritual devotion, but in every aspect of their life. So you see, the same reason why you, you don't study your books, even when you have exams in one, one month. I mean, some people only begin to read their books a night before the exams, you know. It's the same reason why you, you struggle with your physical goals. It's the same reason you struggle in literally any aspect and every aspect of your life. And we want to talk about that. Can I tell you something? One of the biggest and the best things that you can learn in life is the ability to decide to do what is required so that you can have the results that you desire. It's one of the biggest and the best things that can happen to you in your life, for you to be able to develop the discipline so that you can pay the price to see the prize that you want to see in your life. I think it's very important. If you, if you come to a point where you can know by personal training and self-discipline that everything that your destiny requires, you are capable of doing, you are able to rise to the occasion every single time, and you are ready to take up any challenge, I mean, it will change your life because this is, this is a secret of perpetual victory. And so what we're talking about here is not just something that will affect and influence, you know, 
your spiritual life, which it will, is going to bless you in no small way in every aspect of your life. You know, and I want to say this. If you don't learn what I'm talking about, <laughs> you will spend the rest of your life being a wannabe. You know, you know what I mean by that? You will keep wishing, how I wish my body looked this way. How I wish I had this car. How I wish, you know, I could do better academically. You would keep wishing, but you would never be able, you know, to measure up to your own expectations. And that's so important. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4. I want you to open wherever you are. I hope and I mean that you're paying attention, paying attention. Otherwise, how ironic it would be for you to be demonstrating lack of diligence when I'm preaching on diligence. So open your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4. It says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. He says, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. This is so important. I said, if you don't develop a culture of diligence, you will spend your life being a wannabe. You will have a lot of cravings, financial cravings, physical cravings. You will have pictures on your phone that you gush over every now and then, oh, this car. You will always have a dream car. Always a dream. Even 10 years from now, it will still be a dream. 20 years from now, it will still be a dream. 30 years from now. Have you met people who always want to? I plan to, you know. You know every time, they're always telling you what they plan to do. They're never really found doing anything. They're always planning. You know, this is serious. The Bible says that the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. Isn't it funny that many of the people who are finicky about cars can't afford cars? And you see, many of the people who actually can afford it are not as crazy about it. You know, it's funny. There's an old joke. I, I think it actually happened. So this um, rich Igbo importer was telling his friend how that he just bought a land cruiser. You know, you know, land cruiser. And the guy laughed. You illiterate. It's not land cruiser. It's land cruiser. And the guy responds, you know the name. I have the car. <laughs> well, what has your English done for you? <laughs> you know, so when it all comes down to it, some people who know the details, just by the sound of the engine, they can tell how much it costs. You know, but what really counts is, are you ready to put in the work so that you can have the life that you want? And that's, that's what really matters. And I'm speaking on a general note before I zoom into, you know, the spiritual subject. All right. It says the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. It says while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And you have the privilege and the opportunity to determine what category you are going to belong to. You can make up your mind to be diligent. Can I tell you something? It is first a mind issue. I'm aware that there are some people who are just naturally more driven than others. But can I tell you something? 
there is nothing that you really want to become that you cannot, by proper, thoughtful intention, become. You can become diligent. You can. You are capable of that. All right? So, the same thing applies to spiritual things. You cannot just keep wishing, you know, for some depth <laughs> in the Lord. You cannot just keep wishing for that. You're going to labor for it. All right? You can't grow a robust spirit by sound bites devotional culture. You know, sound bites. You know, you just, your, your whole devotion culture is based on excerpts, excerpts of sermons. You, you've not learned to sit down and study on your own. You see, you are, you are one kilometer wide and half an inch thick. There is no depth. You're just all over the place, so full of yourself. Listen, this is the bane of, of modern Christianity. So confident, but no substance. All over the place. You want to start a ministry, and the first thing you buy is a nice suit. You know, you know somebody was saying, and, and it's a general thing, it's a general problem. One of my favorite comedians, SLK, was saying, he says, a lot of upcoming musicians have everything that a music, musician will require except an actual song. You know, so they have the dreads, they have the dressing, they have, you know, they know how to hype. Yeah, what's up? One, two, you know, it's about to go down and all of that. But they have everything except an actual song. And so many people in our day are more particular about looking good than actually doing good. You know, it's all about the package, the impression. But when it comes down to the real stuff, what have you got to offer? And that's what we're here trying to talk about. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. He says, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I want to read another text to you. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5 says, it says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. I, I like the, the fact that it says surely. Listen, if you're diligent, if you've developed the culture of tenacity, listen, that's not to say that life is not uncertain. There are some things that you will try that will not work as you planned. But if you have the tenacious attitude, and if you are diligent, the Bible says, surely it will lead to abundance. Surely. Surely. Leads to abundance. It says, but everyone who is hasty becomes poor or comes to poverty. Listen, you just want it now. You just want it now. You want it now. You want it now. But listen, the discipline to sit down and to develop an actual plan, you don't have. So one thing to know about diligent people is they have a plan. If you want to be diligent spiritually, you're going to have, a, you're going to, have to have a plan. You know what I've noticed? The people who are most critical about devotional structure, they're the ones who don't have a prayer life, who don't have a study life. They think that having an actual prayer time, an actual study time is for beginners. Guess what? Beginners are praying better than they are. Because it doesn't matter the level you get to in life, 
You have to realize that without structure, you are not going to be consistent in any endeavor. So you, you, you're going to have to decide what time is my study time? What time is my prayer time? I remember when I first heard someone say that devotionals are for babies. You know, it's, for, it's like milk and all of that. And it almost affected me because, yeah, well, let's not lie. Those things, you know, before you're done reading, the thing is finished. How many words? 300 at, at most. But even the fact that it sets your mind, it gives your mind a direction. That's, that's something to, to appreciate. All right? That's something to appreciate. The plans, not the wishes, not the intentions, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. It says, and I read, it says, The hand of the diligent will rule. The hand of the diligent will rule. He says, while the slothful will be, forced, will, be, um, will be put to forced labor. Meaning, if you are not diligent, you will end up having a job you don't like. Because you have not developed the skills that can buy your freedom. You have not developed the skills that can buy your time. Do you understand? So one thing is, if all you can do is with your hands and not with your mind, there is every tendency that somebody will control your schedule. All right? And hey, this, this is not to say that, listen, I believe in participation, all right? As far as, you know, it is not a situation where you could have done better if you were more diligent. Do you understand? So I'm not undermining any type of labor. Every labor is, in fact, and if you're, if you're diligent, even as a vulcanizer, it will show, and you're going to be prosperous. So that's besides the point. But the point is, you're not going to be able to control the direction of your life if you cannot control your daily actions. As simple as that, it is so important. If your actions... Daily, your daily actions are out of control. The results of your life will be out of control also. Will be beyond your control also. So that's so important. So today I want to talk about two things that you must be diligent in. I want to talk about Bible study. Bible study. It's not every time you hear a teaching, you know, reigniting your passion for study. All right. Every once in a while you hear a teaching on prayer. And everybody loves to pray. We talked about that yesterday. Hypocrites love to pray. Heathens love to pray. Even in secular music, you hear prayers. <laughs> you know, Olua something. <laughs> they love to pray because anything that can birth success, everybody is down for it. But how about Bible study? Something that can actually develop your spirit. How about that? That's something we have to talk about. You know what the Bible says? It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, not in sprinkles, richly, not in excerpts, richly. Do you know what it means? Or do you know what it would require for the word of God to dwell in you richly? 
for it to be literally overflowing from within you, for it to be effortless. Think about anything that you have mastered. Maybe you are good with sports. You can give sports commentary. You know, think of anything you have mastered. Dressing, talking, gisting, playing football. How much time did it require for it to become a thing of abundance, for you to be able to wield it effortlessly like a sword in the hands of, uh, of a skilled soldier? He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. If it's going to be rich in expression, you are going to have to be rich in the investment and in, and in, 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 in taking it in, in the study and in the retention of it. Can the word of Christ dwell in you richly based on the amount of attention you give it currently? You know, we have a very lazy breed of Christians in our day. Very lazy breed of, if you are not careful. Because you see, the, the, the internet is replete with resources. Even without a, an actual study life, you can just Google. And that's why there are a lot of people who have convictions that they cannot defend. They, they're just about trending, cloud chasing, high-sounding speech that are actually stupid. The fact that it sounds smart does not mean it's smart. You say things that you can't explain. You say things that, you, you know, things, statements that raise more questions than provide answers. So many people like that because you've read something somewhere. You haven't given it the actual diligence that it so desperately requires. It's a problem. It's a problem. But the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If it's going to dwell in you richly, you're going to have to give it time. All right? You're going to have to invest yourself in it. Have you ever been invested in the study of anything? Just, just remember the kind of attention you gave to that favorite series. You know, how you sat with it and you finished it. And that's why I don't like series. I don't like series because I'm a finisher. <laughs> and that can be a problem. It's, it's, it's a good thing um, in the major projects of life. You know, I, I tend to go all the way, you know. But it can be a problem when it... That's why I told you yesterday. I can't even... I think I said um, I was live on, on, on IG earlier today. I said even game consoles, I would rather not have at all. Because if it is there, all the tournaments, I will start and finish. <laughs> so it's a problem. Those things are not for me. All right. You, you want me to watch series, watch episode one today, and then watch episode two next week? No, not... Not Emmanuel Irene. I'm not wired that way. You know, I will sit and watch it till the end. All right. And, and you see, that's the same thing that happened to me when I came to know the Lord. In fact, one of my mentors that time literally accused me of overdose, you know, because he was wondering where I was all afternoon. And I told him, I said, I just read the book of Psalms. He said... When did you start? I said, today. 
He said, you read the book of Psalms? He said, that's overdosing. <laughs> By the time your mentor begins to accuse you of overdose, you know that you're probably doing a lot. But hey, all I'm saying is this. Give it your attention. Give it the investment that it requires. Sit with it. And by the end of this sermon, I want you to have a plan. How many chapters are you going to read daily? How many chapters? How many chapters? Let there be a hunger in your heart. All right. And I've taught you this before. I always, it's part of the principles of balance in my life. To make sure that there is nothing that has my attention more than God. More than God. So every time I sit and I watch a series from beginning to end. You know, before it was maybe, you can call it sin consciousness before. But now it's just discipline. That, oh, so I can sit and watch this thing from beginning to end. That means I can, I can read three books of the Bible. That means I can spend this much time praying. All right. When you begin to think like that, it's, it's going to bring balance to your life to make sure nothing, not very soon we're going to have to talk about social media. Hey, can I tell you something? We're all in this struggle together. I'm not even going to lie to you. I remember the time. <laughs> I'm a lot better now, but I remember the time I used my timer to gauge how long I was spending on social media. So iPhone users, you get to put how much time you want to spend. So I set, I set three hours. And I think it was 10 a.m. when the alarm rang. Hi, that's when I said, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, you want, you want to kill me? You want to be? 10 a.m. By 10 a.m., I had done three hours. I said, okay, something has to be done. <laughs> All right. So this is so crucial. This is so important. So you, you now have to say, if I'm able to spend this much time on social media, how much more the word of God? Let me just tell you this. Whenever you want to emphasize something, whenever you want to overcome a bad habit, at the initial phases, you might need to be extreme. You might need to say, I'm going to delete this social media app. Throughout this week, I'm not going to be on social media. All right, because a lot of people talk about fasting and all of that, you know, to regain the ascendancy of their spirits. But hey, there is something that we need to talk about in our day. Because if you are fasting, but you still spend your regular six hours on social media, are you still fasting? You understand what I'm saying? So that's something you have to think about. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Look at Psalm 119. I'm going to read from verse 15. Psalm 119. One hundred nineteen. <laughs> oh my God! From verse fifteen, someone says, "Someone said Zuka Abego." Ay, don't leave me. Okay. Psalm one hundred nineteen was. You, you all better be serious. Psalm one hundred nineteen from verse fifteen. He says, "I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways." Oh, I like that word, contemplate. 
I like that word. Do you know what it, it means to contemplate on something? I mean, you know, when you're thinking deeply about something, the people around you can tell. It can tell. Because that's, that's literally the air that you're breathing in that moment. I, I, I contemplate your ways. Have you made the word of God the contemplation of your soul? The contemplation of your spirit? It says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Hey, this is something, listen, this is what makes fasting special. Not just, you know, putting away food but contemplation. What is your contemplation? Can I tell you something? If the devil wins the war of contemplation, it doesn't matter what else we do. He's still winning. If you pray, but you're struggling with contemplation, even prayer will not be effective. Have you seen people? They are, they are, they are speaking in tongues and scrolling Instagram. Matabukoporote. LOL. You're typing LOL. Because now your contemplation is under attack. So you literally cannot go five minutes without checking what has happened. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what else you excel at in your devotion. Don't let the devil win the war of contemplation. If the devil has your contemplation... For the most part of the day, he will control your actions. He will control your actions. So this is something to think about. What do you ponder for the most part of the day? What is, what is your contemplation? That's a question to answer. What are you pondering? I will meditate on your precepts. You know, you can think about it. You can be praying and contemplating. If the devil wins the war of contemplation, you can be looking at a book and not be seeing what, seeing what is in the book. That's when the book will turn to a screen. You are lost in thoughts. You are looking. Everybody thinks, ah, he has been reading. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're not there. Don't let the devil win the war of contemplation. That's when, when you're praying you realize there's an LED screen behind your eyelids. Your eyes are closed, but you're seeing something else. Those who are falling in love know what I'm saying. I will meditate on your precepts, contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is, this is a man of the senses talking. This is David. I would delight myself. So he don't say, oh, I, I don't really like it. You know, every time I want to study, I, I just find it difficult. He says, I will delight myself. He, he's saying, you can delight yourself. You can interest yourself in it. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. He says, I, I, I like verse 17. He says, deal bountifully with your servants that I may live and keep your word. So now, the word of God has become his life. And he's saying, God, if you would give me long life, if you will help me to just keep on living, if you would just aid me in life, he says, I will live and keep your word. You know, a lot of people just want God to preserve their lives for the sake of it. You don't live for God. You don't live for the word of God. But he says, I will live and keep your word. If you would deal bountifully with me, if you would just preserve my life. 
That's so powerful. Look at verse 36. Verse 36 is so powerful. It says, incline my heart to your testimonies. Oh, glory to God. Oh, dear Jesus. What a prayer. What a confession. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Maybe my heart has swayed away. Incline my heart. Everything that has taken your attention. Oh, in this season of fasting and prayer. I pray that my heart be inclined to your testimonies. I want my heart to pant for your word again. I want my heart to desire prayer again. I want my desire to be towards evangelism again. I want my desire to be towards souls being won to the kingdom again. Incline my heart to your testimony. Rekindle my interest. Realign my desires. Incline my heart to your testimonies. And not to covetousness. Maybe now all I think about is money. All I think about is fame. Lord, restore the focus of my heart. Incline my heart. Change the focus of my heart. Just the same way maybe you will adjust an antenna. You know those days when you're adjusting the antenna outside and the people are like, Hey, oh, stop that. Oh, you've missed it. And you have to turn it back. Hey, okay, okay, almost there, almost there. Stop, stop, stop. You know, you can incline like a dish. You can incline your heart to the word of God. So that the reception that you receive, the focus, you know, you know, the signals that you're receiving are from God and from his spirit. Incline my heart to your testimonies, not to covetousness. What an honesty to be able to say, God, I've been covetous in this season. I've been covetous. Incline my heart. Incline my heart. There is someone I'm envious of. Always going on social media to check how the person is doing and to compare. Compare followers, compare dressing. We don't even follow each other, but we have something on. The person may not know it, but I know it. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Not to covetousness. I like verse 37. It says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Turn away my eyes. Turn away. Oh, what a prayer. What a, let me tell you something. There are a lot of things you can have against David, but honesty is not one of them. David was always honest to say, this is where I am. This is, this is what I've been doing. I, I, listen, Lord, I have been desiring and coveting worthless things. Worthless things have been gaining my attention. Turn away my eyes from worthless things. Turn away my eyes, my desires from worthless things. Worthless things. Revive me in your way. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Revive me in, my, in your way. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Can I tell you something? If this can be the result of your prayer and your fasting, you have it made. Because that's, that's, that's the plan. The theme is deeper. Gaining root, bearing fruit. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Worthless endeavors. Worthless investments. What is the health of your heart? Is it panting for the right things? What about your desires? Can I tell you something? Your desires are always a powerful pointer to your health. 
I've taught you about vital signs. Your desires are always a powerful pointer to your health. Yes, once in a while you can, you, you know, you, you, you can be distracted, but if consistently you begin to desire the wrong things, or your, your passion for the right things are not as kindled as they should be, and it goes on like that, something is wrong. And maybe the prayer of David should be your prayer. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Turn my eyes. I like verse 29 also. Listen, I want you to highlight all these things. Can I tell you something about Celebration Church? Celebration Church has a prophetic timeliness to the preaching. You will just discover that, you know, when you really need a message, that's when it will be preached. So I'm letting you know, you need this word. You need this word. I like verse 29. It says, remove from me the way of lying. Remove from me the way of lying. Hey, I know that you have been active in church. You, have, you belong to five service groups. You know, you always dress in your Sunday best. But maybe your life has been a lie. And I'm not saying this to judge you. All right, but you've permitted and aided yourself in inconsistency for, for too long. Everybody sees you. It looks like you're doing fine, but you're not. David said, remove my life from lies. Remove my life. Readjust me from inconsistency. I, I, I've been in the way of lying. He says, remove me from that path. And grant me your law, your word, graciously. Grant me, grant me graciously. Remove me from pretense so that your word can have the right impact in my life. I told you worship is not complete until it is entire. All right? So it doesn't matter how much you're trying to do and, you know, what you're trying to achieve. If, there, if you have not removed the inconsistencies, you're going to limit the impact. It says, restore my path from lying. This is so crucial. Paul's word to Timothy goes thus. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, study to show yourself approved unto, approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Greek word translated study, guess what? Is diligence, which is what we are talking about. So there is diligence in the Word of God, diligence in 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 in, in Bible study, in meditation. Be diligent. Spaudazo is the Greek word to show yourself approved unto God. A workman. God wants to see you as a laborer in His Word, so that when you talk, people know that you know what you are saying. You have you have spent time laboring. You have burnt the midnight oil. You know your onions. You are not pretending to know. You actually know. Have you seen a lot of Christians so full of themselves? You know, even when they are before someone who knows better than them, they want to show. And all they end up doing is embarrassing themselves. Embarrassing themselves. Embarrassing themselves. You ought to be quiet. Study to show yourself approved. Next, I want to talk about prayer. I know we've been talking about that a lot this season. 
about word study, I want to say this. Um, before the end of this month, or worst case scenario, early next month, we're going to introduce a new aspect to Triumph 30. And it's going to be Bible reading. So, it's either we infuse it into our current time, or we create another time for it. When you tune in, you're just going to hear the Bible. Either someone is reading it, or we are playing something pre-recorded. All right. So, it's just going to be the Word of God. And that's so important. So, the vision of Triumph 30 is to help you develop a devotional culture in the Word and in prayer. In the Word and in prayer. So, that's something we're going to take seriously. So, take note of that. All right? So, I want to talk about prayer. You know, I heard someone say this, and, and it's so profound. I, I'm not even sure if I heard someone say it, or it was um, like a screenshot, all those Bible memes, you know. And the person, the quote said, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, not cake. The metaphor is bread, not cake. Cake is for special occasions. And I mean, if you grew up in the kind of home I grew up in, especially when things were hard, you know, it's only when it's someone's birthday that you see cake in the house. Now, someone can just feel like eating cake and go out and buy cake. It wasn't like that in many homes. So it's only occasionally that you see cake. And when you see cake in a house, many times you're like, whose birthday is it? But he didn't say cake. He says daily bread. So that emphasizes the consistency in the devotion of study and prayer. It is daily bread, not occasional cake. Not ceremonial cake, but daily bread. And that metaphor says a lot. And the fact that it is qualified, not just bread, but daily. The avenues for exercise in Christian devotional or devotion are bread, daily bread, not cake. Word study should be daily. Not weekly, not monthly, but daily. Prayer should be daily. You know, the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, as I talk on prayer for the next few minutes, it says, therefore I say to you, Mark eleven twenty-four. therefore I say to you, whatever things you desire, when you pray, not if you so choose to pray, not when, when you eventually decide to pray, but when you pray, you know, I like the fact that he doesn't give room to assumption, all right? You see, he's not even trying to tell you um, you ought to pray regularly. He believes you ought to know. And he's saying, when you pray, prayer is not an option. When you pray, you must pray. There are phrases that you see repeated consistently in the Bible. One of those phrases is pray always. Pray always or praying always. Look at Luke chapter 21 verse 36. Luke 21 verse 36. Luke 21 verse 36. It says, watch therefore and pray always. I like that phrase. Pray always. Watch therefore. Pray always. Watch therefore. Pray always. That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. It says, pray always. So, as it pertains to the regularity of prayer, 
How often, how regular should it be? He says, always. Pray always. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. He says, praying always. Oh, glory to God. Listen, imagine this is the description of your life. Always praying. Always praying. You know, um, we have a culture of giving people um, nicknames according to the characteristics of their lives. So, um, some people, if it's physical characteristics, uh, by the time they call you headmaster, you know, you already have a clue what they're trying to say. You know, in case you don't know, simply means you are always ahead in life. You know, <laughs> or, or, or something like that. Some cannot people, people of the world give nicknames according to even vices. If they call you chimney, it means you smoke too much or things like that. But imagine they begin to give you nicknames based on your Christian devotion. Like I, hear, I heard Charles Finney was called Praying Mantis. I, I, I think he was the one. Praying, how, you know when, you know what say? You know, he was so prayerful, they called him Praying Mantis. Imagine this is the description of your life. All right? Praying always. Because there should be a consistency to this particular devotion. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, I think it was two weeks ago I read this to you. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being diligent in it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer. Hallelujah. This is so important. Jesus said, it is written that my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Oh, glory to God. What house was he referring to? I know now, in, in that particular context, he was talking about that temple, that Jewish temple that they all went to. But you know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16? It says, Know ye not. House of prayer. Just imagine if that was a consciousness to imbibe. I'm a house of prayer. My body has become a platform for supernatural interaction. Heaven and earth meet within me. Body of clay, spirit from God, and that supernatural interaction. I have become a house of pray prayer. Heaven kisses the earth in my heart, in my soul. I'm a house of prayer. What a consciousness to have. I'm a house of prayer. What a mentality to have. The Shekinah does not come upon any building on the earth anymore. I carry Shekinah, the glory of the Lord. I am a house of prayer. I have become an avenue for answers. The evidence of divinity to my world. What a consciousness to have. I am a house of prayer. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer. Where is God's house today? Even the types and the shadows of that temple have been destroyed. You are a house of prayer. I want you to say that where you are. Say, I am a house of prayer. I am. Hey, I am a house of prayer. The house of prayer cannot be left idle of praying. I am a house of prayer. I'm going to give myself steadily and consistently to the prayer 
to prayer and the ministry of the word of God because I am a house of prayer. When do I pray? When do I pray? I want us to use Jesus and his earthly ministry as an example. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. The Bible says, Now in the morning, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. So he rose up before dawn to go and pray. So if we're learning from the devotional life of Jesus, we know you pray in the morning. I want you also to look at Matthew chapter 14. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. He went up the mountain by himself to pray. The Bible says, when, now when evening came, he was alone there. Now when evening came, he was alone there. So this was in the evening and he was praying. Jesus prayed in the morning. Jesus prayed in the evening. I want you to look at the same book of Matthew. Sorry, Luke is, in, is, is even interesting. We've read from Matthew. We've read from Mark. And let's look at Luke. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus prayed in the morning. Jesus prayed in the evening. Jesus prayed all night. Did Jesus pray in the afternoon? Many times, many times in his daily interaction with people, he was known to take breaks to look up to the heavens and say, Father, glorify yourself. At his baptism, he prayed. In front of Lazarus's tomb, he prayed. When it was time to feed 5,000, he prayed. Lifting up the bread, breaking it, saying, giving thanks to God. And so the Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. We have Christ for as an example. Pray without ceasing. That's, that has become our life. You pray in the spirit. You pray in your understanding. Can I, want, can I tell you something? Because a lot of people and especially our ministry emphasize praying in the spirit. Can I tell you this? Learn to pray in your understanding also. A lot of people have learned to pray in the Spirit so much that they no longer know how to pray in their understanding. Every time it's time to pray, they find themselves praying in the Spirit. 
all the time. When was the last time you spent quality time praying in your understanding? Hey, a lot of people don't understand simple emphasis. When I'm um, emphasizing praying in the spirit, they think I'm talking low on praying in your understanding. When I'm emphasizing praying in your understanding, they think I'm talking low on praying in the spirit. And it doesn't work that way. I'm just saying, these are the benefits of praying in your understanding. You see, when you learn to pray in your understanding, it is going to require depths of your knowledge of God's word. That's number one. You can't really be prayerful in your understanding for long if you don't know the word of God. And it's going to challenge your depths of understanding of the word of God. Number two, it's going to help you be thoughtful. You can't pray in your understanding if you are not thoughtful. Now, if you want to, listen, because your understanding is unfruitful when you're praying in the spirit, you can just go on for two hours or longer praying in the spirit. But if you are going to pray in your understanding, now you must think. And I, th I tell you, it's so special to be able to be thoughtful, to thank God exhaustively, to, to pray, mention people in prayers. All right? So it's so important. So like I said, praying in your understanding will require thoughtfulness. Now you're going to have to think. Also, it's going to really bless your soul. It's going to give you stuff to meditate. It's going to give you stuff to meditate. So let your prayer, all right, if you have not, don't use speaking in tongues as an excuse. When in fact you have not learned to pray in your understanding. So pray in the spirit. Pray in your understanding also. So that's so important. Whatever you are, just begin to pray right now. Thank the Lord right now. Thank Him right now. Pray in the Spirit right now. Matongra stava dege de bokuraktes zavana mondo krosto prete keba barata kavarondo rote kive ne dege barata kashete kebe balato koproto kopo balito koproto kopo rondere bedege rata kabalato kombrete kive lasha tarabata kapaya latondere bene no kuprete satele bene kurahaktes lishandere benege pratombre satalabaya barato
Celebration Church is a house of prayer. Every member of Celebration Church is a house of prayer. That only things consistent with your spirit can thrive in the environment of our hearts. That your spirit and only your spirit will be the environment of our hearts. That every inconsistency will give way. Give way to light. The light of your word. Your light prevailing. <laughs> he says, once we were darkness, now are we light in the Lord. And he said, we walk as children of light. 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 We refuse inconsistency. We walk as children of light. We refuse inconsistency. We refuse darkness. We walk as children of light. We're light in the Lord. We shine as light. We lighten up our world. With the knowledge of your word. With your spirit. And everywhere we step into. Death and darkness disappear. You have made us a house of prayer. Thank you daddy. Glory to your name. In Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.